Good morning, church. What a beautiful day. And we know God is here, so we're going to be all right. Anywhere is home. And so we can call this place home while we're here with Jesus. It is great to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance and thank you for uh, you blessing us uh, in our worship this morning of our great God. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and awesome name. As we think back to what we know as the beginning, and you established time. Lord God, we're thankful to be able to witness your greatness in the creation, six days. And here we are, and it stands. And it's held by the word of your power. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. We thank you for Jesus who made all this possible, allowing us to be able to worship you because of the blood that he shed. We thank you, Lord God, for your wonderful Holy Spirit, whom you sent to seal us to the day of redemption. We thank you for the Godhead. Please bless us this morning as we worship you, praying that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, that all things, Lord God, that will and have been said, will and have been pleasing unto thee. These things we thank you for and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for be thy will. Amen. Luke 24, please. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We can do nothing without Jesus, right? The world tries to get around Jesus. You can't get around Jesus. I mean, people try to tell us there is no Jesus. You can't get around Jesus. What we're looking at is we're thinking about this this subject or topic of Jesus Christ revealed. I'm just trying to show you that you can't get around Jesus. All the way from the Old Testament, people have said, well, you know, Jesus is not in the Old Testament. And we know that isn't true. I'm trying to show you that Jesus is everywhere. Co-equal, co-substantial, and co-eternal. Jesus. The Bible says in verse 24 of Luke chapter 24. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Well, let's go take a look at what the Psalms have to say about Jesus. Psalm 22, please. We've read this psalm time and time again, and I I wonder when, if you were there uh, in this time, in this era, and you were reading this psalm, would you have seen Jesus? And that's just so amazing to me. When you read the Bible, there are so many passages you can read over and over again. It's not until God opens up your minds, the window gate, if you will, into your heart, that things are revealed to you. And now we can look back, having known about the fulfillment of this passage, and we can look back and see the sweetness of what Psalm 22 reveals to us about the Savior who died for our sins. In verse 9, the Bible says, Yet thou art he who didst bring me forth from my womb, from the womb. Thou didst make me trust when upon my mother's breast. Upon thee I was cast from birth. Thou hast been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, 
for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. And thou dost lay me in the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Turn to John 20. The resurrection scene given to us years and years, thousands of years, if you will, or at least a thousand years before the event occurred. God walks us through it and talks about Jesus and, if you will, the, the feeling of Jesus on the cross, the events on the cross. And Thomas, in John 20, in verse 25, then the other disciples therefore were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I shall see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then comes that confirmation where Jesus is there and Thomas can see the fulfillment of the psalm. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. We just can't get around Jesus. Beginning, if you will, in verse 10. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, lest He become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Jesus, in him. Can't get around him. And then Psalm 110. We read this, we studied this in the evening, but I want us to read it this morning. In Psalm 110 in verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus. Turn to Psalm 45, please. I want this morning, as I've I've mentioned before, I want us to leave this building with a stronger recognition of Jesus, the power of God, the greatness of our God, The reason that we're here, Jesus, because of Jesus. Psalm 45 in verse 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of joy above thy fellows. 
Jesus. Turn over to Proverbs. Turn over to Proverbs. Jesus was the Son of God who descended from heaven to save us and to be our advocate, if you will, for our sins, to rescue us from evil, from the hand of Satan who had control over us while we lived in that old wicked world. But Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. Now I want you to keep in mind John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want you to keep in mind the creation as God reveals it to us, and wisdom speaks out and says, God used me in the creation. Verse 27, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, and you continue to read about the creation that God used wisdom to create the universe. That rules out the Big Bang Theory, doesn't it? That was wisdom used. And John tells us that Jesus, all things were made through Jesus. Cannot get around Christ. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 4. Proverbs 30 and verse 4. Listen to the question. Who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped the waters in his garments? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. Do you know Jesus? Turn, please, to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Who has ascended? Who has descended? Do you know who he is? Yeah, you know him. If you don't, we want to introduce him to you. Ephesians 4, beginning, if you will, at verse 7. The Bible says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Do you know who he is? That was the question that Solomon asked. This morning, do we truly know Jesus? Ecclesiastes, please, chapter 12. Have we encircled, if you will, our minds, wrapped our minds around Jesus, that every day of our lives and everything that we uh, put into our lives, all of the effort and all of the energy, is it focused around Jesus? Is Jesus my all in all? Is Jesus the reason for all that I do and all that I say? Is Jesus my God? And have I sacrificed my life for Him? Have I given my all to Jesus? Ecclesiastes. Jesus was the good shepherd who, who taught us the truth. Listen to what it says. In verse 11, please. 
The words of wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. They are given by one shepherd. You know who he is? Turn to John chapter 10. Jesus. 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 At some point, that name has to send beautiful chills up your spine and say, that's my God. Jesus. The good shepherd. John 10 and verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And he goes on to talk about the fact that he'll never leave the sheep because he is the good shepherd. Psalm 23, is he your shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd? Not only is he your shepherd, is he your good shepherd? And when you walk around in life and think about humanity and, and how I know sometimes, um, uh, you know, I grew up, I grew in the faith as I grew in the faith. Yeah, I was ashamed for a little while. Struggled with that. Are you ashamed of Jesus? You're ashamed of folks, how they think about you because you follow Jesus? Have you given in to the world's desires? Have you given in to temptation? Have you given in so that just no one knows you're a Christian? Have you given in? Or are you at the point in your life where you're ready to stand up? To stand up for Jesus. He is the good shepherd. He's your shepherd. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Long time to get through that one verse right there. <laughs> right? It take you a long time to get through that. Just that one verse. If he's your shepherd. Right? And then he goes on to say, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though you've been there, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus isn't a hireling. He doesn't leave me in the valley by myself. No, no. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. And my cup is not full. It overflows. Right? Because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. And then that final verse, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus. Is he your shepherd? How long are you going to continue to try to do it on your own. 
you're going to continue to fail. You know what I say to folks? I say, if you continue to try to do it on your own, get used to that feeling of failure. Because we cannot do it on our own. We, when we humble ourselves, can acknowledge that we need Jesus. We can do nothing without Jesus. Oh, look at the world, preacher. Yeah, I know. Look at Psalm 73. Asaph will tell you all about the world. We need Jesus. You know that, right? Look at Song of Solomon. Song of Psalms. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Chapter 2. Verse 4. He has brought me to his banquet hall. And his banner over me is love. Jehovah Nisi. Nice. God. Isn't that nice? To hear that the banner of God. Jehovah is my banner. To know that God is he who loves me and holds me and, and wraps me up tight and keeps me. And the love that is displayed in, in the Song of Psalms as Solomon loves this, this woman. That this love is, a, if you will, an exemplification of how Jesus loves the church. Even with all of our mess, Jesus loves the church. For he is our banquet. He is our banner. He is our covering. Thank you, God. He said it, Ephesians chapter 5, for, for some, maybe when we think about life and we wonder uh, if I'm ever going to be loved, if you just look to Jesus, you'll find that the only love that you'll ever need is in Jesus. And if you can hold on to that love of Jesus, then you can deal with the rest of life. Ephesians 5, in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present himself to the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. Sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed for the church. And you've heard about the Rose of Sharon, right? In Song of Solomon 2 and verse 1. And, and I know that, you know, you think, you look at that passage and go, well, you know, is that passage really referring to Jesus? Well, let's just say it in this way, that there's the, the likening of, of, of the rose of Sharon. That Jesus himself, Jesus himself is sweeter than honey, the honey of a honeycomb. Jesus is the one who fills our lives with beauty. Jesus is the one who is full of grace and truth. It's all about Jesus. Is, is Jesus your all and all? Is Jesus your lily of the valleys and your rose of Sharon, full and of beauty, if you will, in the land of chaos? Is that who Jesus is to you? We're going to wrap this one up with, with Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah is known as a messianic prophet. 
And, and you think about all the, the prophecies that, that Isaiah presents to us and you go through it. It's just, there's just so many, just endless, just over and over and over and over again. And I, I found what's kind of interesting. You know, you start looking at Isaiah, you go to 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah and there are 66 books in the Bible, and I don't know if that has any kind of relationship, but I thought that was interesting. When I start looking at that, you start counting the chapters, maybe it means nothing. But it's quoted over and over and over and over and over again. And in Isaiah 53 alone is quoted like about 85 times or so in the New Testament. Just one chapter. It's all about Jesus. I want us, I want us, church, to, to leave here and, and ensure that our lives are all about Jesus because his life was all about us, right? And the Father. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, the prophecy, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. God with us. And we know who that was. It was Jesus. Jesus with us. He kept his promises. He came. He lived. And he died for us. Oh, church, we ought to be happy. God with us. And has never left us. And then chapter 9, if you will, verse 6, the same about Jesus. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Next time the world says to you, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus, you say to yourself, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Verse 7 says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Thank you, God. Church is still here. Been persecuted, gone through a lot, meant to be over. Still here. It's not going anywhere until Jesus comes back. Chapter 11, please. Chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom. And understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, 
And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see. Nor make a decision by what his ear hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor. And decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins. And faithfulness, the belt about his waist. The righteous reign of the branch. Jesus. You can trust him. You can, you can love him. You can depend upon him. He'll always be there. Look over at Isaiah 61, please. Chapter 61. And if, and if we haven't yet found God to be a leaning post in our times of trouble, if we haven't yet found God to be the one who lifts us up, if we haven't found yet this, this mindset where God is my deliverer, my rescuer, my defender, if we have not yet surrendered our lives to allow God to put our feet on stable ground, Try Jesus. Try Him. You having trouble in your life? Try Jesus. You having good times in your life? Try Jesus. Life has to be about Jesus. In verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Jesus. And then, Isaiah 53. The most probably quoted passage or chapter in the whole book of Isaiah. And it's all about Jesus. Who has believed, verse 1, our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. I love the way the scripture opens up, you know, uh, who has believed. Our message, and then you start reading, and and you look at all these pictures of Jesus, and you go, they don't look like the Jesus that we have imagined, right? Throw those pictures away. That's not Jesus. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. 
So church, stay away from sin. Because, because Jesus was forsaken and despised and full of grief and trouble and turmoil. Not because of him, but because of us. And now when we live in sin, it's like we put them through this time and time again. The Hebrew writer says it in chapter 6. He says that we crucify Christ anew when we're living rebellious and sinful lives. But the text gives us hope. And it says, surely our griefs, verse 4, he himself bore and our sorrows he carried Yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through. Take your time. For our transgression. I mean, don't you think you owe him something? Just a little bit? Don't you owe him something? At some point, you got to say you owe him everything. We owe him our lives. Because the blow that was due me went to him. And I cannot even say, and he didn't even know me, for he knew me before I was. When I think about Jesus being stricken and smitten on my behalf and because of me, I have to remind myself that when he hangs suspended between heaven and earth, that my name was on his mind, and so was yours. Don't you owe him something? But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Then it comes back to us. All of us. All of us, like sheep, the elders, preachers, deacons, members, all of us, all of us have gone astray. Every one of us just just didn't have them in our hearts. Church, I'm begging you to put them deep into your heart. And and, and remember him in all of your life. Each of us has turned away. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on, on him. You know, John, this morning when you you sang that song, um, he could have called... One of those verses in the course, you said he should have called. Did y'all hear it? That should have shook you a little bit because it's right. But he did. I don't mean to bring you out, brother. Actually, I did. I did mean to bring you out. But anyway, he should have. But he didn't. He should have. But he didn't. Jesus. He was oppressed 
He was afflicted. And yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not He didn't open his mouth. That's how much he loved us. He didn't he didn't say, you know, but Tony, he doesn't deserve this. He didn't do that. And then give me two more verses, please. Two more verses of your time. By oppression and judgment, he was, was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. And, and here's the part that I think clinches it in, in verse 9. His grave was a, a sign with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he didn't do anything wrong. Think about that, church. He was innocent. How do we feel when people accuse us of something when we're innocent? How do you feel when someone blames you about something and you're innocent and yet he didn't open his mouth? Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, Jesus died righteously for us. Don't you feel like you owe him something? Jesus Christ revealed. Is he in your heart? This morning, the lesson is yours. I pray, I hope something said just to strengthen you just a bit in your faith and your walk with Christ, to remind you of things that you already know. Maybe just to encourage you and say, we're all in this together. If, if you're a child of God and you're struggling and we can pray with you or pray for you, we ask you to make that known to us. If you're not a child of God, we ask you to come to Jesus. Surrender to him in the waters of baptism, having heard his word and believed it. Godly sorrow in your heart. Confessing his name before men and being baptized for the remission of your sins. And then just stay with him all the way until the end. This morning, if we can help in any way, please, please come while together we stand and sing our song of imitation. God bless you. Thank you.
Almost is by.